Before we get to our show, here is a podcast we think you're going to love. Pretty Gross. Hey guys, it's Kayla and Alyssa, and we're the hosts of Pretty Gross. We're a bi-weekly podcast that deep dives into all that is disgustingly fascinating and adorably vile. From weird fetishes to nasty habits to the absolute worst the World Wide Web has to offer, we're here to keep you well-informed on all the gross news that's fit to print. But don't worry, we do all the heavy lifting. Like our motto says, we look at gross things on the internet so that you don't have to. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us across all our social media at Pretty Gross Gals. And get ready to to get get gross. Pretty Gross. Some mysteries will never be solved. (laughs) The mystery of how to record a podcast. (laughs) The truest mystery. If you move your microphone around a lot, I heard people love that sound. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Is this ASMR? Am I doing this right? Welcome to Perhaps It's You. We did have one request. Perhaps It's You ASMR. Do you remember that? I forgot about that. It'll never happen. It was not quite as weird as the person that thought we wanted to take boudoir photos and trench coats. Sorry, that's not happening either. No, I you can, have actually you a can get job. that on, on Patreon at the uh, one million dollar tier. Yeah, yeah. If you give us one million dollars a month, <laughs> a month, not after, just one time, after a year, <laughs> we will send you boudoir photos of us in trench coats. Yeah. I think that's at reasonable price. Uh-huh. Because then it won't matter that you have a, have a day job. Yeah, that I'm fired from my, my job. <laughs> it won't matter, because we'll be getting a million dollars a month. That's what it costs. <laughs> so, okay. pay up. Definitely not doing that for free. <laughs> no. All right. Hello. Welcome Wait. to the Perhaps It's You podcast. This is an unofficial Unsolved Mysteries rewatch podcast, hosted by me, Samantha. And also Liz. Another person. There's two people. Do yeah. We, do we sound like? Do we sound the same? Like one person? No, I don't think we do. Can people tell us apart? Like that seems to be a common problem with podcasts. People yeah, can't but tell I, the hosts apart. I don't think we have that issue. I've never heard of it. Yeah, I think we're good. And if not, I mean, whatever. Yeah, I don't really care. <laughs> oh, if someone could, uh, if you haven't given us a five star review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Our last one, though, five stars. Thank, I appreciate them adhering to the rule that I, we. I Only. really think that this reviewer thought we, our, we were serious about... Th- I mean, we are, but we, that- are. we only accept five-star reviews. So we got a very, like, sarcastic review about how we complain too much. Yeah, if you like podcasts that complain constantly about the thing that they claim to love, <laughs> this is the podcast for you. Thanks. <laughs> but it's five-star. I mean, it's five-stars. I guess I don't care what you say in your five-star review. Uh, but if someone wants to go write, like, an actual positive review, that would be nice. <laughs> Maybe it's not. Maybe they didn't intend it to be that sarcastic. It's really like salty. I don't know. I mean, are they wrong though? No, that's the thing. <laughs> no. So, how much can we bitch about it? I don't know. If you expect me not to complain about some of these segments, whoa. I mean, this isn't the podcast. This is for not you, the podcast for you. So, in a way, that review is very helpful, and I appreciate that it's five stars. That is the only type of review we, we accept. Yeah, as enforced by Steve Jobs himself. Yeah. His ghost. 
Uh, we have some updates. Oh, yes, I do have some updates. First of all, congratulations to our resident librarian, Megan. Big congratulations. I saw photos and videos from her wedding. She just, she just got hitched. Stunning. So congratulations to her. Not that anyone deserves her, but good job, Joe. <laughs> congratulations, congratulations, Megan. <laughs> okay, wait. Whoa, what else did I have? Oh, I was recently on an episode of the Sip and Shine podcast. An excellent podcast. I listened to the episode you were on. I was talking about three women who went missing from the Indiana Dunes and were a fascinating ne- mystery. Never seen again. I had, I was not familiar with that case previously to Carrie telling me about it, and it's it's pretty. But you have bizarre. been to the Indiana Dunes. Yes, and I did not go missing, and now I'm thankful for that. Thank God. I'm thankful to be here. Yeah, go making this fine podcast. Listen and subscribe to the Sip and Shine podcast. It's really, really good. I really enjoyed the host. You were an excellent interview, and it was overall a great episode. She does way better research than us, so <laughs> that was... You mean she doesn't just go onto the internet and pull word for word? No, I think she does, like, real research. So she was like, oh, here's my real research I did. You can read some of it. And I was like, great. It's impressive. Yeah. Even less work for me. <sighs> yeah, a great episode and a great podcast in general. Okay, my other update is you may recall we recently talked about Edgar Casey, who was the diagnostician who was solving people's medical problems while in a trance. Yes, that was our last episode entitled he, old-timey quackery stuff or something i don't remember what we called it yeah it was only a week ago well we heard from rob over at our strange skies podcast a person who seems to know everything he knows everything and everyone so of course he had this to say i had a phrase where i was obsessed with edgar casey he's a fascinating individual he was known as the sleeping prophet he struggled with his abilities because he was a devout christian and went against his religious beliefs but it's important to note that he did not charge money to do these readings So the way he was able to diagnose people was he was able to access something called the acastic record, which is basically an ethereal place where everything that is known exists. When he would diagnose people, his voice would change and he would talk mostly in the third person. At the start, we would say he would say, we have the body. That's weird. It kind of is. Casey also would also tell people of their past lives and in some cases he would talk about some people living in atlantis he also believed the next stage in evolution of people is as an alien species known as acadians definitely some of his stuff was out there but he seemed to be a humble person there are numerous biographies about him if you're interested i would start with there is a river by thomas sue grew something like that Thanks, Rob. It was fascinating. And I saw his post in our Facebook group, and I was wondering what he thought of the company as it exists today. Because that's something I talked about in our last episode. And he said that he thinks it's both good and bad. The A-R-E, which must be what it's called, do a lot to protect, protect his legacy. A lot of books about his readings are kept in print by them, but I think that they expanded it into something that Casey never was or possibly never wanted. Sure. So I think... That's really good information. I really appreciate Rob. He's like I said, seems to know he everything. Knows everything. So thank you, Rob. Thanks for being way more knowledgeable than we will ever be. Ever. Yeah. Ever. Speaking of more knowledgeable than us, friend of the show Arden wrote in to tell us that uh, possibly Liz is the most Aries anyone has ever been. <laughs> yeah, I did a little poll on Twitter and 
Uh, clearly, some people didn't want me talking about astrology, but everybody did agree that I was an Aries, but people were torn 50-50 if you seem like an Aquarius. Yeah, Arden's assessment is, because she is also an Aquarius, that me being one makes sense. She says that I am better at being chill. Uh, you are very chill. Well, thank you. Unlike me. Uh, so, yeah, I guess, but Liz is the most Aries an Aries anyone has ever aries Apparently. So... I'm not entirely sure what that means, that. but that is our update on the signs of the Zodiac. Yes. You are welcome. <laughs> no, you were waiting for it. Any other updates? I don't think so. I feel good having like any up. I feel like usually I'm like, what? what oh, yeah. We, we, make a, we make a podcast oh, and yeah. I actually like made a list of updates. I feel like so professional so right now. So professional. We might actually be podcasters. We might. All right. Well, unfortunately. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I have one more. Oh. I haven't even shown oh, you. This is the first time I've seen this. We got sent a Robert Stack prayer candle. That's incredible. In the mail. Oh my god. This came from True Crime Idol Candles. And I I don't actually know who sent us this. Maybe the person that makes these. I just need to hold this. It says Dear Cool Mystery oh Ants, hope this protects the podcast from boring treasure segments in all future seasons. Keep cackling forever. So, I mean, we love it. We highly appreciate it. Thank you so Thank you. much. This is an iconic photo of Robert Stack. He's got the trench. Yep. He's in front of this, like, textured wall or something. He's got the, like, very serious, I'm going to solve these mysteries look. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is incredible. And I hope it does keep boring treasure segments away. Because that's... God, we can only hope. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Please. Thank you so much. Please. Yeah, this is awesome. My... So we... There's an address. If Obviously, you want to send us gifts. You can go to our website, prepsisyou.com. It's under contact. have a birthday coming up? Yeah, I'm just, I do. So, you know. Just so you know. Uh, we ha- the address is for my work. It's not for my home. Yeah, so don't come looking. Creeps. <laughs> But my, bo- my boss was really like, it's so amazing that you have fans that send you things. And I was like, I know, it's pretty weird. <laughs> well, I don't know how this happens. Life is, life is weird. I don't know. People pay a lot of money to tell us to send us seltzer water. <laughs> That's the real mystery. How did we get here? That polar water was so good. <sighs> it really was. And now I just mourn the loss of our yeah. loss at not having aisles upon aisles of polar water in our grocery stores someone i forget who it was posted that news story about the ghost being spotted in a grocery store yes and they said that 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 place has aisles of polar water so i can only assume that the ghost is there for the polar water what's so weird is i like saw that on the like chicago news like that story about a haunted grocery store is really getting around look ghosts need that polar water they Look, at the distribution is not very good. There's probably not any polar water in heaven. So they got to come down to, no the, to this plane. <laughs> it's a real problem, folks. It but is. how is it heaven, Samantha? Great point. This is why I'm going to hell. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's, there's polar water in hell. Is there polar water in hell? I mean, all of our friends will be there. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. All right. Should we start talking about this boring mystery? I, mate, this is the I s- think people would prefer if we just... 
chit-chatted the whole show because this episode blows. Maybe we should talk about a programming update because this is the second to last episode in this season. Next week, we are going to have a podcast out because Liz is going on a little trip and we don't have time to record two episodes. I apologize. Yeah, but I honestly the... think this podcast is going to be really good. Oh, I'm yeah. going to be at the Milwaukee Zine Fest, so if you should come see me. in town, you should check it out. Um, and then the following week, we will have the last episode last of this episode. season. And then following that, we will have our season finale. So that means if you have paranormal stories you'd like to send us for get those in. our season finale, you have to email them to us because That's we will be reading them on the show. Perhaps it's you. Podcast at gmail.com. Once again, y'all have the scariest ghost stories. Send in those stories. I'm really looking forward to our season finale. So after that, we may take a week off. I'm not really sure. I'm uh, having yeah. I think eye more, surgery. I think so. more than a week, Samantha. Let's just put that. We're going to take a... We might take a short You know break. how every other podcast takes a little hiatus between seasons? I think we should do that. Yeah, and also that sort of coincides to me having an eye surgery. So it yeah, may, we may take, take a week off. A few weeks <laughs> off, Samantha. Don't say a week. No. Yeah. We'll, we're going to take a little break. We'll let you know. Keep an eye we're on... Not, we're going to have a, a few weeks where we don't think about treasure. It's going to be nice. I mean, that will be nice. <laughs> Maybe we'll put out a podcast. I don't know. But keep an eye on our social medias because we usually update you there when there's going to be programming changes. And then we're going to jump right into season four before you know it. Sure. After our break. Yes. We will. <laughs> After the break. After the break, Samantha. All right, so, but for today, we are on, is this episode 21 yep. of season three? Yep, it sure is. Episode 21 out of 22, we're definitely in the Oof. home stretch. Thank Down to the wire. Kind of thank goodness, because this episode blows. This episode blows. So be sure to write a review of how much we complain. It's not my fault this episode blows. <laughs> I didn't make it. Blame Robert Stack. Blame All right. those producers. We definitely don't want suing us. I was not. I was about to say their names, and then I was like, "No, no, let's not." No. Okay. This is very unofficial. Please do not sue us. Thank you. The most unofficial. This first mystery is a wanted, and it is the story of Richard Bocklage, who was a pharmacy student wanted for the murder of his ex-fiance, Doctor Tanya Kuprick. My notes for this segment are so terrible. I really wrote down things like world's worst hat and Tanya, no, don't marry him. The thing I, so I watched this episode twice. It was a little bit difficult to do because it wasn't a good one. But the thing I remember the most about this segment is the guy they got to play Richard in the reenactment looks just like him. It's a very good cast. Sometimes this casting is so bad it's confusing, but this casting is like, is this his brother? Spot on. I don't know how they did that. They have to be related. So... Um, he murdered his ex-fiance in Kansas City, Missouri on September 18, 1980. Bocklage was 10 years younger than Tanya and had grown up in St. Louis. He studied pharmacy at the University of Missouri. Tanya was from Yugoslavia and had emigrated to the United States in 1975. The two started dating in March 1980. A few weeks later, he moved into her apartment. Six months after that, they were engaged. However, Tanya's friends did not like him and felt that he was just using her for her money. Also, one of her friends said that he was using her morally. 
Yeah. Does that just mean sexy time? Probably. Okay. Yep. Morally and for her MasterCard or something like yeah. that. So and I was like, I'm money not, and sex. I'm not quite sure what that phrase means, but I think I know. Yep. So Bockledge began spending more and more time with Tanya and less time in class. Midway through his sophomore year, he fell behind in his studies. Which I don't really understand because she's a fucking doctor. Yeah. Like, we Does, doesn't he have time while she's doctoring to study? Study. He just seemed like a lazy asshole. Uh, <laughs> yeah, basically for real. We get her story, and she worked so hard and was so proud of becoming a doctor, and for some reason got engaged to this low life. I don't know. <sighs> it's sad. It's, yeah, it really. She could have done way a thousand times better. A thousand. By so, which I mean, live by herself with twelve dogs. <laughs> Much better. That's pretty much better than any engagement. So, <laughs> certainly better than this one. At certain points, let's change our goals <laughs> from like, oh, I really want to get married to, oh, I really want to live alone on a mountain. I was watching with twelve <laughs> hounds. I was watching this segment, this episode with my husband, and he was just like, "Why was this woman with this guy?" And I was like, "Look." The bar is on the ground. It really is. When you hear people be like, oh, my boyfriend did this one nice thing one time. I'm always like, okay. Yeah, right. Like, like he, yeah, he probably like one time brought her flowers and he was like, oh, he's such a gentleman. He's so nice. It's just like, all right, but what about every other fucking day when he's a no. dick? <laughs> what about the whole rest of his life? What about that? Liz's favorite dating advice is to dump him. Yeah, that's basically <laughs> any single time someone comes to me with a relationship complaint. It's pretty much like, yeah, dump him. What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what? Now, okay, my most favorite thing I've ever done on Twitter is you my go-to dating advice. And I'm afraid people have asked. I don't know where this image came from, but it is... Tarot tarot cards just, it was like, oh, let's ask the cards what I should do with his relationship. Except the cards are spelling out, literally dump him by a candle. (laughs) And there was some story about this guy, like, stealing all of his woman's made-from-scratch lasagna and then (laughs) not being sad she had no food to eat. I don't know. Whatever. He sounded like a total dick. And then everybody was like, where is this from? I was like, first, that's the thing that everybody likes that I tweeted. <laughs> All right. You know what? You know what? Yeah. Pick, make sure that bar is not on the literal dirt floor. <laughs> okay. That's my dating advice. All right. So at certain points, Bockledge became close to dropping out of school. On July 19th, 1980, he was notified by administrators that he was academically ineligible. He demanded that Tanya use her connections in the admissions department to get himself re-enrolled. However, she refused to help him. Oh, white men, I hate you so much. So this school, it seemed like they were legitimately terrified of this Yes. Man. They like had a meeting to tell him that he was no longer eligible to be at enrolled in the school and then immediately everyone just like ran they like first of all they made this poor secretary call and tell him and then they like literally like dispersed in different directions as fast <laughs> as possible because they didn't want to deal with his outburst yeah so like, they <laughs> knew he was a problem oh yeah they didn't go into it a lot in the segment but he must have had frequent outbursts and yeah. tantrums when things didn't go his way probably when he got a bag like oh my god uh, yeah. uh, 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 uh. 
Soon, he began to exhibit wild mood swings. Three weeks later, on September 2nd... What a catch. Tanya broke off her engagement and kicked him out. As Good for she her. well should yes. have. Good for you, Tanya. Unfortunately, two weeks later, he returned to class and acted as if nothing had changed. Okay, this I have a brief story about that Mac and I talk about all the time. Okay, I took a course in college where a guy showed up for maybe like a couple weeks and then didn't come back like again and this was a you know this isn't like a giant auditorium class this is like a class with 15 people so he shows up for the final and the professor is like yeah i don't know why you're here you've failed the course there's nothing there's no point yeah don't bother taking the final like you get an f and he just like freaked out and started saying that he didn't come because he didn't want to. And he just kept being like, I don't do things I don't want to do. What? And so I say that all the time. I don't do things I, I don't, don't do want things I don't want to do. And what did he expect the outcome of that outburst to be? I don't know. The professor was just going to be like, oh, you don't do things you don't want to do? Okay, sit down. I'll it's give like, you an A. It's like, okay, fair enough. But there are consequences to that, right. too. Like, you still get an F in the class. Like, you didn't want to come. Like, okay. I don't know why you, like, bothered to pay to be here, but (laughs) now you get an F. Like, guess what? I didn't see him the following year. Oh, surprise, surprise. Yeah, but... That's probably what this asshole was doing. Just showing up, being like, give me an A! He just, like, two weeks go by, and then after being kicked out, and he just shows up, and he's like, oh, I just... Now I want to be here. It's like, no, that's not how it works. It's not based on your whims. I don't do things I don't want to do! So his professor contacted a reluctant administrator who <laughs> carefully tried to break the news gently to Bachlin yeah, that he couldn't be in class anymore. He, he like comes, at least in the reenactment, he comes in. The guy's, of course, doing an experiment with a Bunsen burner, the only type of science that exists on TV. And he's like, yeah, can I talk to you? And the guy's like, yeah, what's up? Like, real positive. <laughs> he's like, no, in the hall. Like... <laughs> we don't show you enrolled in this class. And he was like, yeah, it's just going to take a few weeks to get that all sorted out. I was like, no, dude. You gotta leave. You gotta leave. So he argued with the administrator and then angrily left, throwing off his lab coat and storming out. A dramatic lab coat removal. (laughs) Oh, yes. So he later wrote to the administration's office, begging the officials to reconsider his case. (laughs) They were like, absolutely not. Please get the hell out and never show your face here again. Yep. At three. Also, do you want someone with this kind of temper being your pharmacist? No. Where you like show up and you're like, oh, yeah. Just throw it in your face. Yeah. You're like, uh, this is supposed to be a 30 day supply, but there's only 12 pills in here. And he just like, yeah, it's like throwing medicine at you and like, <laughs> oh, I only put many. as many pills in there as I want. <laughs> like, <laughs> what a weird, like, why did he pick farm career like, choice for yeah. this grown child to make? <laughs> Go be I don't know something that can get your aggression out, not yeah. a pharmacist, like not someone. I who guess has they to didn't have MMA back then. Carefully so do like detailed work that is people's life or death. No. Um, let's see, where was I? Oh, at 3 p.m. on September 18th, the admissions committee met to determine his fate at the college, and they all agreed that he should not be readmitted to the school. I have to say, that was makes perfect sense. <laughs> Hoping to avoid a confrontation, the committee quickly dispersed. I love this reenactment because it's a bunch of yeah, grown adults like walking out really fast, scared. <laughs> like, oh no! They're like in their suits, carrying their briefcases, walking kind of like penguins. Like, let's get out of here! 
This guy's going to snap in yeah. a second. At 3.45 p.m., two professors spotted Bockledge driving towards the dean's office. They immediately headed in the opposite direction. <laughs> Those cowards. I love it. He roamed the hallways, searching for the dean of admissions. He carried a manila envelope. Some believed that it contained a handgun. It was one of those, like, like, like accordion a, ones. Yeah, the folder type thing. That he was, like, awkwardly holding under his arm. and This, do- this doesn't have a gun in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This is honest. It's, like, ridiculous, but also terrifying. Uh-huh. Three hours later, later, Tanya... Oh, so he wanted to speak to the dean in the reenactment. The uh, secretary is like, yeah, I don't know when he's gonna be back. <laughs> Meanwhile, she's, like, quietly calling him under yeah. the desk or something. Don't come in here. Yeah. She's like, oh, I think he's gone for the day. And he's yeah. like, oh, wait. And then he's just looming over her desk. Uh-huh. So, Which I'm pretty sure is when you would, like, call security or the police or something. Yeah. All right, now here's where it gets... So unhinged. Sad. So three hours later, Tanya returned to her apartment. As she exited her car, Bockledge appeared and shot her three times in the head with a forty-five oh, poor Tanya. automatic pistol. A witness identified him as the shooter. Investigators learned that he had purchased the weapon just weeks prior to the murder. Six days after the murder, his car was found abandoned in Manitoba, Canada, 900 miles away. He was seen by two local residents. However, investigators believe that he has since returned to the United States. Two months after the murder, Tanya's parents received a letter from Bockledge postmarked two days before the murder. In the letter, he stated that Tanya had been executed and that her death was necessary and inevitable. This is sick. Yeah. he. I think he's postmarked it before he's even killed her and sends it to her parents saying that like her death was necessary to prevent pain to Americans. It was bizarre it has and almost cruel. like terrorist language. Yeah, it's, they actually des- they described him as a terrorist in the episode. It's very strange. It's horrible. Bockledge has never been found. He is 6 feet tall and weighs 175 pounds, has brown hair, brown eyes and vertical scars under each armpit. What? <laughs> That's how I so recognize people. Spot someone with that. Keep your eye out. <laughs> He's also uh, might be wearing the world's worst hat. So, yeah. So he was born in 1957. So there's a good chance he maybe isn't alive anymore. Uh, this case was also featured in America's Most Wanted. He was really never found. Unfortunately, he was never found. I hate it. I know this episode is full oh, of bummers, y'all. Poor Tanya. I know she deserved so much better. She deserved so much better. Her family and friends deserved better. This is. I hope this guy just like fell in a well and could never get out. Yeah, let's hope. Or maybe the Nordics took him. Yeah, maybe. Let's ask this woman in Grand Marais. There is, so our local paper, the City Pages, has an, currently a front page article about this woman in Grand Marais that can communicate with the most racist type of alien, the Nordic <laughs> alien. The, literally the front cover of the City Pages says Nordic aliens on the North Shore. So if you're in Minnesota, maybe pick this up. It's a weird article, but it's, it has really good it's graphics. It's both about aliens and zoning. Yeah, it's... And then the most uh, Minnesota part is when, so some of her neighbors complained about the noise at her, like, alien communication center and whether or not she's properly zoned. Uh, Liz, it's a galactic receiving station. Okay, so apparently that makes a lot of noise. I don't know. 
But so some of her neighbors complained to city council or something. And then one of her other neighbors was like, this circumvents the tradition of going and knocking on your door and talking to your neighbor. I think that's weirder than anyone's personal beliefs. That is the most Minnesotan thing i was like, that's the most heard. Minnesotan thing. Why couldn't they go talk to her about how loud her alien communication device was? Why did they have to get city council involved? This was... This Look, was ma'am, this land isn't zoned for alien communication. Uh, this was... This, the, the proper recourse was a friendly chat. <laughs> he was like honestly felt betrayed. Never mind the Nordic aliens. Yeah, well, everybody's entitled to their own personal beliefs. True, but you have to be neighborly. <laughs> yep. And I went, oh Minnesota, I love you so much. You're so adorable. All right, Liz is super excited to talk about a military. <gasps> no, I'm mystery. not. Why do you think I'm talking about this instead? Because <laughs> I don't want to talk about this wanted. No, this isn't a... It's a missing person. Oh, why did I write down wanted? I don't know. Who would be wanted in this? I mean, he is wanted, but not in that way. Wanted alive. Uh, Lieutenant Paul Whipke, who was in the army and disappeared from Fort Ord. Fort Ord? Where is that? I don't know. California? Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's get this over with. So <laughs> I can hear the five star reviews rolling in. <laughs> he was 26 years old. He was a lieutenant in the U.S. Army. He was originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and had graduated as an honor ROTC honors graduate. And after basic training, went to Army Aviation School. In 1956, he was posted at Fort Ord. I don't know if I'm saying that right. And then in the summer of 1957 at Camp Desert Rock in Nevada. Now, while he was there, he was exposed to extremely high levels of radiation because he witnessed atomic bomb blasts. He was an atomic bomb. He he flew an atomic bomb observer plane, which I can only imagine he like flew through the cloud or something or like maybe... Oh my like, god! I, I mean, I, yeah, this was before drones, right? So I guess they had, to, they had to put call- actual people above the atomic bomb blast. That's insane. Robert Stack said he was exposed to radioactive fallout. Yeah, because he was literally right by nuclear explosions. It's horrible. So he suffered a physical ailments from this. Which were just described as blotches on his skin, but they also had all of his teeth removed. Robert Stack said that so casually. Yeah, I was like, like oh my god, that's horrific. Like he was getting his nails done or something. Like, like, oh, and then he had all his teeth removed. I was like, uh, I have literal nightmares about that. That's horrible. Literal fucking nightmares about losing all of my teeth. <sighs> I yeah, I have nothing else to say about that. That's awful. Army, army, do better. Please. Yeah. yeah. God damn it. So, late in the afternoon on July 10th, 1958, he left Fort Ord, saying his do- destination was Monterey, California, less than a mile away. However, he never returned to the base. A week later, he was declared AWOL, and finally, 30 days later, he was declared a deserter. So, the mystery is what the hell happened to Paul Whipke? Yeah, he vanished. Did he defect because the army callously exposed him to radiation and then ripped out all of his teeth? Or was he a loyal patriot? Despite that, somehow, who something else happened to him? 
Was he recruited to was be he a recruited? secret CIA operative? That's our third option. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm not emotionally invested in this mystery. So a few weeks later, on August 17th, 1958, a fish and game warden in Death Valley, California, discovered his abandoned car 500 miles away. The key was in the ignition, and there was no evidence of foul play. Army investigators traced a gas receipt to Mojave, California, and he had purchased gas there on July 11th. The evening before, he had signed the guest register at the White Sands Motel and apparently spent the night. The next morning, he drove out and vanished. The Army report said he drove to Death Valley, and while stressed out about his assignment, which is not specified what that even is, he left his car and wandered into the desert where he perished. Which doesn't really sound like the act of someone in sound mind but yeah i i don't know decades later his family still wants to know what happened um this information is coming from unsolved mysteries wiki by the way because my notes are just angry ramblings (laughs) another person stationed with him says that in the weeks leading up to his disappearance, two men in civilian clothes but carrying military credentials came to speak with him several times. And he could kind of tell that he was uncomfortable, but and he kept asking him if something wrong, whatever. And he always dodged the question. But he thinks that at the time the cia was like doing like yeah, heavy recruiting, recruiting and he thinks that they maybe were from the cia and were trying to recruit him because he had excellent credentials for that work i don't know seems yeah, as plausible as anything to me apparently he would have been a good candidate for that so mm-hmm. but would, he, would the cia take him and then he, he would just vanish well i mean you'd have to assume that they sent him on some assignment and he died and they don't want to admit what that was sure maybe that's it that he was supposed to go i don't know i think his family and assassinate friends, castro sure. and he died on the way i think his family and friends are hoping that he's still alive and just doing top secret cia work yeah at some point you retire yeah like but, even if you do top secret cia work does that last forever that's how top secret it is maybe yeah, I, I don't, don't know. know i guess i wouldn't know because i am i'm not i don't have guess what my security clearance not that high <laughs> but um i don't I, I don't think there's really a positive outcome to this story no unfortunately i'm pretty sure he's dead it's just maybe at where the time, he died there was some hope that he was he would yeah. just retire from the ca and return to his normal life oh hey guys you haven't seen me in a few decades i've been out but don't you causing think, coups in foreign countries don't you think that a more likely scenario is that he had some lasting effects of radiation poisoning and either had some sort of confusion in the middle of the desert or or the army just doesn't want to admit that he died from radiation poisoning from their own testing yeah or that because if all know. your teeth fall out because you're ra- you have radiation poisoning, it's affecting your skin. Yeah, you you probably have other issues going on. Yeah, that seems like the surface level of something very seriously wrong with you. Yeah. Okay. The first thing that casts suspicion. Oh, so his brother's name's Carl, by the way. <laughs> the first thing that Carl was suspicious about was that on the day of Paul's disappearance, two soldiers cleared out his room, including his personal possessions. This was bizarre and illegal procedure because the next of kin is supposed to be notified 
about the belongings, and nobody in his family found out until weeks later. I think the army just does whatever they want and don't care. This is why... (laughs) This is why people... Okay, so sometimes I wonder how people can have these crazy conspiracies about how the government is lying to us about everything, and then I'm like, oh yeah, this is why. Because they do shit like this. Because they are lying about everything. They're just probably not lizards you know <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yes, yes exactly <laughs> like there yes there is a you shouldn't just accept everything like the army or the government is telling you at face value but if, be- if they peel so- back their skin there's not probably lizards yeah, underneath probably yeah that's i understand wanting to think that humans wouldn't do that to each other sure so they must be from outer space they must be reptilians no i think some people are bad yeah and i don't know i think maybe and when put in positions of power yeah with no consequences guess what happens yeah and when i say like some people are bad i'm not saying like you can divide people into good or bad i just think claiming it's lizards is probably a way out of yeah but his the family, system is yeah yeah his family said this was illegal procedures i'm like okay well what's the recourse Right. They don't care. Okay, it's illegal. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, we're the army. You're going to... Yeah, who's going to care that we cleared out this guy's room? Which I didn't even really understand. How- even if that is illegal. Yeah, so... Okay. I don't know. So when the car was found a week later, a pile of cigarette butts were found next to the car, but Paul didn't smoke. Even more shocking to his family is that the army did not search for his body until eight months after his car was found. I think that they do know what happened to him. Yeah. And I think, I don't know if that means he's in the CIA doing cool shit. Or if they don't want to be liable for... Yeah, or that just means he died in a hospital of radiation poisoning. There's some reason they don't want to admit how he died. Because it's bad for them. It's bad bad press, or yeah, they don't want to be liable, or it's some secret. I think they know what happened to him. I... I don't think... You just don't think he was conscripted into the CIA? Probably not, because he's already sick. Right. Why Why train him? Yeah, that's a good point. I, that's kind of callous. It but, is, but you mean, they have to think about it in terms of investment and investing the training and time Yeah. into someone... Yeah, gosh, that's horrible. This poor guy. I know. And he seemed like he was like very loyal to the army, despite all this, and as a... I don't know, naturally contrarian person. I cannot even like put my head in that space that he was like, no, this is for the greater good. Like, oh, Paul. Paul. (laughs) I don't know. So did someone from the army move? That's okay. So the cigarette butts is, did Paul really put his car there since he didn't smoke? Does that mean that someone from the army moved his car out there to like, Maybe he died at the base. Look, or maybe he did smoke and he just didn't tell his family. But also, why do you smoke 50 cigarette butts, like, right by your co- where you park your car? Uh, I don't know. If you're you getting ready to dump walk out into the, the ashtray. Yeah. Okay. So we hear from a Lieutenant Colonel Charles Lewis, his commanding officer, who was surprised he was declared as a deserter and um, was apparently told not to look into the case anymore. And that's when he just remembers this strange encounter with these, you know, other government people coming, possibly recruiting him. I'm wondering if that's someone telling him not to talk about the atomic tests. Yeah, maybe. That's just like, hey, sorry your teeth are falling out. By the way, tell no one. I know. Don't talk about it. 
lawyers for the government maybe yeah and so then when his commanding officer is like hey everything's okay he's just like it's fine right it's fine don't worry about it because he's not supposed to talk about it yeah that's i guess guess that's my theory um the unidentified men did not report to operations first which they should have done for security reasons no that just means they're like higher up people i don't know People seemed like, I, I guess if you're really, you're living your life adhering to something with tons of rules, like the army, the fact that like rules are not being followed, is like blowing your mind. It's like, but, but they're not supposed to clean out his room and they were supposed to check in with the desk. It's like, <laughs> yeah, but there's like bigger forces at work than you. You're, you're a little cog in the system and the people at the top, they don't have to follow those rules. Those are just to keep you in line. Yeah. God, I would be so bad in the army. God bless America. <laughs> oh my God. I can't wait for the reviews we're going to get about this. Just don't say anything about the flag and we're fine. Yeah, that's that seems to be the line. We for love some the reason. flag. Oh my God. The flag is the best. It's really like sexy, but also cute. But also <laughs> it's just like classic and iconic. And we love the flag. We everyone. love the flag so much. Love, and I definitely love never made a flippant comment about how I wouldn't salute it. A thing I'm not even supposed to do as a civilian. So hmm. let's keep complaining about this mystery. <laughs> yeah. I hate this country so much. Okay. <laughs> um yeah oh my goodness they didn't check in at the desk they must have been from the cia okay in the (laughs) in january of 1958 paul had told carl that he was going on an assignment where he was going to make his a name for himself but he couldn't say what it was and that's him assuming that that was for the cia i I don't know maybe that was the army is gonna take me somewhere and i'll never be seen again (laughs) maybe Mm. oh r.i.p yeah, and Carl thinks that his car may have been turned over to the army and was placed in Death Valley to get rid of it. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, in 77, he contacted the FBI to try to find out more information about Paul from, his, from the files, but the, he was told that the files on Paul's case had been destroyed. Great. <laughs> Lovely transparency. Uh, then Carl found... Of one final twist to Paul's case. A friend of his, Lieutenant Charlie Guess, who had served with him at Camp Desert Rock and again at Fort Ord, had vanished while flying a plane 11 days after Paul vanished. And then a year later, his remains were found with his plane in Death Valley. However, that plane had a different serial number than the one they took off in. Back, people had to handwrite this shit back then. It was probably yeah. just a typo. Or the army got rid of him too. And put his body next to a different plane yeah oh maybe <laughs> i don't know yeah it's probably These seem tragic but unrelated it's probably a, a typo the equivalent of a typo and also is it really that surprising that people in the army die is that really a mystery no <laughs> sorry uh, in 1982, the Army changed uh, Paul's status from deserter to died in the line of duty which I don't understand at all, and said that he, they believed he died after he vanished into the desert. I feel like that's because his, their, his family complained and they were trying to, like, pacify them a bit. Yeah. Then they're I, like, how dare you call our the, Paul, this great patriot, a deserter? And they were like, you're right. He died in the line of duty. I mean, there was no evidence to suggest that he's... Assuming he's not on a secret mission for the CIA, there's no evidence that it's to suggest that he's out there alive living his life outside the army 
especially with this radiation poisoning. So to classify him as a deserter seems just unnecessarily cruel to his family. Yeah. Because his family, from all we could tell from the show, are very patriotic. And they were going to fight till their last day to try and clear it's, his name. It's so hard for me to understand that they're both... And they were. They were both very patriotic, but also thought the army was covering up his death. <laughs> it's hard to reconcile those two things. Where at one point they were like, we just, basically, we just want them to tell us, like, he had to die for this greater good. Like, and they say, like, oh, we're all loyal Americans. We would accept that. It's like, you would? <laughs> Like, they Look, just want. They just wanted to know what happened. They wanted some closure. Yeah, and unfortunately, they never got it. That's really unfortunate. Uh, and it does say here that for some reason, this class was originally classified as a wanted instead of a missing persons. So apparently, that's why I wrote Is that, that down. Is that because he was a deserter? I'm guessing that's just a mistake. I hope it's not because he's a deserter. <laughs> but let's find was. him. Yeah, that's horrible. Let's put him in the brig. Oh wait, is that the navy? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Sorry. I don't know. Okay. I, maybe I'm not be qualified to be talking about this at all. I'm sorry, Paul. You deserved better. Yeah. We all do. Okay. We next have a really depressing lost love. So <laughs> brace yourself. Yeah, this episode just gets better and better. All right. Gary Bickford is the long lost brother of Gwen Sanders of Conrith, New York. He was born on June 6, 1935 to Catherine Bickford and Andrew Rossman, an unmarried couple who had an age difference of 20 years. 20 years. I don't remember that from the show because the reenactment of those two looked like young lovers. Yeah. On, like, a carriage sleigh. I think she was, like, 19 or something, and he was 39, you know, something like that. Yeah, he was, like, I don't know. She was a teenager, and he was 20 years older. I forget what he did, but he seems like he was, like, a outdoor woodsman type. He was a, a, a trapper. Yes, that's right. So he had, Robert Stack described him as having no interest in settling down. Yeah, he was not the marrying kind, yes. I believe was the phrase. <laughs> but they did live together for a while until I think Robert Stack described him as being like just kind of done with this whole He's like, All right. domestic life. And he just... There's a reason I didn't get married. And straight also, up I'm left out of here. Catherine and her two children. Kind of terrible. So Catherine worked as a waitress to support her children. The Winch family, who had known Catherine since childhood, helped her raise the children. When Catherine had Gary baptized, she told Florence Winch that she had to move to another city to work for her uncle to try and make ends meet for her children, but that she could not bring Gary and Gwen with her. The Winch family agreed to take care of Gary, and Gwen went to live with Catherine's parents. So it seems like these they were all a part of this tight-knit community. Yeah, it seems like, despite the fact that she was an unwed mother, which was very scandalous at the time, they were very accepting and hopeful to her. And she originally was like, could you take care of Gary for a couple of weeks? And that expanded into a couple of years. Yep, so three years passed, but Catherine visited Gary as much as possible. Unfortunately, her financial situation was not improving, and in 1939, Child Welfare Services contacted her. I mean, it was the Depression, so she was kind of lucky to have a job at all. She was struggling, and it unfortunately sounds like the Child Welfare Services tricked her because she believed that the papers they gave her to sign would allow Florence to keep Gary, but in reality, the papers allowed 
allowed Gary to be put up for adoption. It seems like we hear something like that in a lot of these lost loves. It's really gross. It's horrible. And Florence tried to adopt Gary, but she was not allowed since she was unmarried. Okay. Then Florence's parents tried to adopt Gary, but they were not allowed because they were too old. It's like, maybe this kid should be with someone who cares about him. It's It's just a radical idea I had right now, but maybe... He should be with people who know him and care about him. The Also, it's horrible because it seems like the whole community supported this. So he lived with a woman who loved him and took good care of him. And she had the support of his grandparents and the community because her neighbors took up a petition and tried to convince the child welfare services to let Florence keep Gary. And they were like, nope. Can't have them. Uh, also, we skin puppies and make coats out of them. <laughs> and like, turn out what? child welfare services with headed by Cruella DeVille. What? It's horrible. So, and then we have a, there's like this horrible, sad scene where Florence walks into the train station on her way, their way home from church because she wanted, he was afraid of the trains and she knew that if they ever took him away, he might go on a train. So the conductor let them sit inside the train so he wouldn't be afraid. Oh, my God. It was so horrible. So they interview Florence for the segment, and she's crying and talking about how she never told him that he might leave because she never thought that it would actually happen. Oh, it's so sad. So in early spring 1939, a county welfare worker informed the winches that Gary would be taken away for adoption. One morning, the welfare worker showed up and took Gary away from the Winch family. Gary was taken to New York and was never seen again. Mm. Yeah. Catherine and Gwen were eventually reunited, but Catherine died in 1984 without ever seeing her son again. Gwen and Florence are now hoping to reunite with Gary. They want him to know how much Catherine loved him and wanted to be with him. So Gary has brown hair and brown eyes. On his birth certificate, his first name may have been spelled with two R's, and then his name last name may have been changed to Rossman. So the results are that it's unsolved. In 2000, Gwen was able to get in contact with one of Gary's daughters. She learned that he was adopted. And so this is has a weird twist. So he was adopted in 1941 and renamed Robert Ernest Lundstrom. He married and had three children, Christina, Bruce and Debbie. However, Robert vanished sometime in 1964 from Huntington, New York and has never been found. Weird. After talking with his old classmates, his daughter Christina believes that he changed his last name to Keegan. She also suspects that he may not want to be found. In 2001, Gwen was reunited with Gary's children. Sadly, a few years later, Debbie passed away. Gwen and his two surviving children are now searching together for what happened to Gary slash Robert. And then Florence Winch sadly passed away in 1994. I looked this up and there's literally nothing on the internet about the disappearance of this man so there was a reddit thread and i don't know if this is true this is from reddit so take it with a grain of salt but this reddit poster says that they were so intrigued by the story that they did a little sleuthing of their own they tracked down christina lundstrom and this was her response Hi, thank you for writing to me. 16 years ago, there was a reunion between my aunt Gwen and myself, along with her husband and my family. I have a whole new family in Corinth, New York. Sadly, my father, Robert Lundstrom, a.k.a. AKA Gary Rossman, has not been found. I did some more digging through old classmates and found out that he had changed his last name to Keegan. We've tried very hard to locate my father. My sister passed away suddenly almost eight years ago, and he doesn't know that she and my mother have passed on. It's our opinion that he doesn't want to be found. I'm just so blessed that my aunt found me. I found out so much about my family. 
and what my real last name was. Thank you for contacting me. If anything ever comes up, I will let you know. But there's like, we did contact Unsolved Mysteries to to let them know about our reunion. I was so surprised to see that you wrote to me about this. Anyway, there's literally nothing. There is like one post on unsolvedmysteries.com, which is not the official website for the TV okay. show. Um, this seems like a chat room as far as I can tell, but there's a post on it that says, um, looking for living relatives of Ernest Lundstrom. And it just says that they're looking for information that he disappeared. He has three children. There's nothing about this man's disappearance. If you Google it, all you will find is the Unsolved Mysteries wiki, this post, and then nothing. This man up and vanished, and there's there's nothing... I mean, maybe they just... I don't know why they thought he didn't want to be found. All it says is, through a classmate, they think he changed his name and doesn't want to be found. But I don't know why they came to that right. conclusion. I don't know why... So bizarre. It's weird. It's so weird. There's no... Nothing. Does, just, it it seems like no one cares he's missing. Did anyone search for him when he went missing? It seems like his children care, but for some reason are of the opinion that he doesn't want to be found. Hmm. But why? He has three kids. Why would he just up and leave? Like, a lot of people on Reddit were like, well, maybe he has some lasting, you know, emotional damage from being abandoned. I'm like, maybe, but he has kids of his own now. Right. Why would he just leave them? Right. That's so, it's so weird. But so I yeah, there's a very unsatisfying ending to this last love. Huh. Uh yeah. Didn't see that coming. No, it's weird. That's a twist, all right. Yeah, I wish there was more info, but there isn't. Okay. We have one more. This is a missing persons, I guess. (laughs) It's kinda not though. Yeah. These are labeled weird. Okay. This is the case of Jim Rice, who went missing from St. Croix Virgin Islands. So, Jim Rice was a highly decorated bomber during World War II, uh, and then he went on to have a construction business and made a bunch of money out of that. In 1970, he met a Sarti. How am I saying that? So, this woman renamed herself. I think it's a Sarti. I think it's a Starty. I think it is a Starty. Okay. In 1970, he met a Starty Davis and fell in love with her. Now, Robert Stack describes this in this really racist way that this woman had renamed herself after a quote primitive love goddess and astarte is from ancient greece it's the greek version of the goddess ishtar interesting okay so he met this woman and they fell in love he actually left his first wife so that they could get married. Um, and she had three grown sons from a previous marriage. In 1979, the couple, couple moved to Hawaii and started a charter fishing business. Two years later, her son Noble was cleaning their yacht at like three in the morning and uh, it exploded. Interesting. He was like cleaning it with gasoline or something. Why would you clean something with gasoline? That makes no sense. Because you're blowing it up for insurance money is why. (laughs) So, um, so her son Noble was seriously injured, but he recovered. Coincidentally or not, a Stardy just happened to be on the dock nearby when that happened. Investigators became suspicious when they found that a Stardy had a large insurance policy on the yacht. Mm. They also found it odd that Noble had been cleaning the boat at 2 (laughs) a.m. With gasoline. Yeah, even more strangely, he was using gasoline. To clean it. <laughs> so, Astari and Noble Davis were charged with arson of the yacht. However, they left the area prior to being charged and for some reason were not extradited back to Hawaii. 
which I do not understand. Bizarre. Since that is the United States, but okay. It wouldn't even be extradition, would it? It would just they be sending just, like, them back to yeah, Hawaii. Yeah, they just like, left Hawaii, and I think they were in California, and California was like, we're not paying to send you back to Hawaii. Never mind. <laughs> Can't Hawaii pay for it? I don't know. Oh, yeah. So, whatever. So, she never actually serves time for that. In April 1981, she filed for bankruptcy. By 82, she was sent to prison for altering documents and spent a year in prison. After her release in 83, she and Jim reconciled and they moved to St. Croix in 84. They built their dream house on an isolated bluff, like overlooking the ocean, blah, blah, blah. So annoying. In 86... Jim had surgery scheduled in San Francisco, but Ashtardi didn't want to go with him because she already had plans. So we get this reenactment of them having this like bickering brawl. He's like, you're my wife. You should be there. And she's like, I'm sorry. I can't go. I've got stuff to do. Yeah, it's to blow up. Yeah, I've got I've got documents to, to forge. I don't know what you want from me. So, um, however, he was supposed to go to his daughter's Kathleen's home on July 29th before his surgery but he never showed up for two weeks she called his home and was unable to get a hold of him eventually Ashtardi answered the phone and told Kathleen that Jim had run off with an Australian woman but then later she claims that he had gone to Miami which what kind of huckster is this <laughs> you you need to keep one story straight where's your husband <laughs> oh he's in Australia by which I mean Miami Come no, on. no wonder you didn't get away with blowing up that boat so two months later, Kathleen hired a private investigator to look into her father's disappearance. The investigator found a customs declaration dated July 28, 1986, on the form Jim's signature appeared to be forged. So that would have been like the day that he left St. Croix. Mm-hmm. Um, so he notified the FBI about his find because I guess they care about stuff like that. Investigators discovered that the person using Jim's name had brought a ticket from St. Croix to Miami. Witnesses stated that the people aboard the flight, however, were Astarte, her son Noble, and Noble's girlfriend. Huh. Interesting. Which I thought also was funny that, like, earlier in this segment, they were debating whether or not Jim actually got on that plane. And it's just kind of interesting to think back to a time when airport security was so lax that you're like, we're not really sure if he was on that flight or not. Like, like, I was just like, well, did he take the flight or didn't he? And it's like, well, someone used that ticket. We just don't really know who. It's like, I was like, oh, right. That is how it used to be. The private investigator also discovered um, that a week prior to Jim's scheduled flight, Ashardi had filed documents which gave her complete control of his entire estate. It determined that she had done a, quote, cut-and-paste job on one of the documents for power of attorney where she placed her name over his Kathleen daughter's name. So she found, like, the actual power of attorney, and rather than forging his signature on something else, she just, like, changed the name that the power of attorney was too. The private investigator believes that he disappeared sometime between, ju- between July 20th when he spoke to Kathleen on the phone and July 21st when Astarte met with the rota- met with the notary with the forged documents. The private investigator later discovered that several of Jim's items, including his truck, were sold by Astarte at a garage sale. It looked like this happened like the day after he disappeared. She like set up a the reenactment for this is hilarious. She set up this garage sale and people are, and she's like, oh yeah, take a look at these these men's coats. They're really nice. <laughs> like, hey, anybody interested in this truck? Like, 
he's gone like an hour and she's selling <laughs> off all of his shit. Um, four months later, Kathleen received a typewritten letter that was supposedly from Jim that was sent from Australia. Uh, once again, his signature appeared to be forged. Another discrepancy was typing... So apparently Astarte had this common typo where she would not put a space. When she wrote I am, she would not put a space between I and am. Very distinct. Yeah, it's like a really like weird, distinct tick that she had. So this letter that's supposedly from Jim that I don't think Kathleen believed for one split second had that typo in it where he would be like, I'm in Australia. Do not worry about me. Yeah. Obviously, I am fine, even though you have not heard from me from four months. Astarte did not murder me, for sure. For sure. Don't look into it. Don't look into it. You should, you know, you should really respect her more. She's super <laughs> cool. And Kathleen was like, mm-hmm. And then she talks about how cruel it is to, like, send a letter from a missing person and, like, Yeah, manipulate. it's also cruel to murder them. Well, yeah, also. I don't know that really Astarte gave a shit about anyone. <laughs> No. She didn't even seem to care that her son was on that boat that exploded. <laughs> like, she only cares about herself. So, this is Unsolved Mysteries Wiki says, Evidence, rumor, and mounting circumstances suggested beyond doubt that he had been murdered by Asante. Asante. Asante? Asante. Yes. In January 1989, Astarte was charged with bank and mail fraud, but but then released on bail and vanished because she is a con woman to the fucking core. <laughs> Jim has not been found, but his family believes that he was murdered and dumped in the Caribbean. So, uh, yeah, guess what? She probably killed him. Um, the update is that she was eventually arrested, but she was not charged with jo- with Jim's murder. She pled guilty to bank and passport fraud in 97, but then was transferred to a minimum security prison where she literally just walked out. Sure. Like, in between the head counts, she just, like, left one day. Peace out. You know, she was like, bye, see you later. Very minimum security. They literally were like, she walked away. <laughs> Oh, okay. Uh, then she was let her arrested again and served the rest of her sentence, but she was never charged with Jim's murder, and she was re- later released after she served her time, and his body has never been found. But pretty much everyone is like, yeah, he was he's in the ocean. So, um, I don't, she seemed to have some sort of spell over him. I guess. That she kept doing all this stuff, and they would get back together, and she was like, I can overlook that exploded boat baby <laughs> i don't know yeah yeah well mm. r.i.p to everyone in yes this episode. seriously <laughs> should we rate it I'm, why bother okay mysteriousness is it mysterious huh i mean can you be mis- something be mysterious and boring i almost feel like no well yeah i mean know. what happened to jim we don't know it's yeah, it's a mystery. What happened to Paul? We don't know. What happened to Gary turned Robert? We don't know. So I guess in that sense, it's mysterious. Yeah. I'll, there's a bunch of people out there. We don't know what happened to them. Right. Did they get eaten by wolves? Well. Did they find a Yeti? And the Yeti ate them? <laughs> Hopefully not Gary. Were, they, but were they abducted by aliens? And that's why they were never seen again. I mean, maybe that one guy. Let's hope. All right, so the thumbs up for that. <laughs> You're like, I don't even care. Reenactments? They were fine. Yeah, they were. They were okay. 
Seen Un- better, seen worse. Unremarkable. They really did some great casting for our first yes, mystery. Yes, actually, casting gets a big thumbs up. Reenactments gets a sideways. Yeah, and how about fashion? There was some good 80s college student fashion oh, in yeah. the first mystery. Yeah. But other than that... Other than that, it was sort of lackluster. And I didn't really have a mustache. Honestly, the only no. mustache that stood mm-hmm. out was the mustache on the actor who plays... What's his nuts? The first guy? The murderer? <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure Richard Bachlidge? I guess the one on the... A- I didn't put that because I was thinking of it as a dirtbag's mustache. But I guess I mean, the actor himself... But it's an accurate mustache to yeah. what the guy has. So is he... Yeah. Is that or is that not a dirtbag mustache? I, I didn't put it because I was counting it as... There was dirt, one... Uh, just for... So everyone knows, dirtbags cannot win most valuable mustache. That's no. a rule we've had since the beginning, which is why Hitler cannot win. God, <laughs> that, makes, that makes sense, right? Yes. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, I guess maybe the reenactor of that guy, his personal mustache. There was one more mustache, and I don't remember if it was actual footage or a reenactment, but there was a police officer walking behind Ashante, whatever the fuck her name was, and there was a cop, and he had the bushiest cop mustache I've ever seen. It was a split second. So, we could give him MVM, possibly. Okay. What would you call it? I'm not as good as... I'm not as good as na- at naming mustaches you are. <laughs> naming mustaches like as you real are. claim to fame. But something that really captures how bushy it is. So, yeah. Um, hmm. I don't know. The Peacekeeper. Sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I'm naming a mustache I have not seen. And Robert Stack... He was around. Same old, same old out of stack. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What to say about that? Got nothing got nothing to say about it at all. I tried and nothing came out. Overall, how many Robert Stacks would you give us? I'm like a two. I don't know. I really didn't One and it. a half. Absolutely zero of these mysteries have a satisfying ending. No. So, and they're just sad. Like this they're lost sad, love, but also kind of boring. The lost love was just a kick in the sack. Like, I don't yeah. know what to say about it. Usually you watch a sad lost love and you get the like happy reunion. Yes, reunion. you get the heartstring pull moment of going, oh, Unsolved Mysteries did a good deed, and now these people are back together, blah, blah, And in this case, it was just like, who knows what happened? And also, apparently, he might have just run away again. Yeah. So that's terrible. Uh-huh. These, yeah, so these like people a- who are dead and that one guy was never caught and then these other two people we don't even know what happened to them yeah i'm a two out of five robert stacks and i feel I like that's I'm, generous i think i'm one and a half it's not a good i episode. don't like it no nope. no give us a five-star review complaining about how we complained <laughs> did i make this episode of unsolved mysteries i did not it's not my fault <laughs> all right that one's behind us thank <laughs> satan okay <laughs> Absolutely, thanks, saying Recommendation? I do. It's been a minute since I had a TV recommendation Ooh. because I've been spending my winter watching Old School Law and Order. And As I, you should. And I am now up to season six. I will say that buying the complete series of Law and Order off of eBay was a very wise decision on my part. We can all agree on that one. 100 discs, everyone. Oh, it's glorious. But I took a break from Law and Order to watch Shrill. Okay, I've heard a lot of good things about this show. And it is extremely enjoyable, and I highly recommend it. Have you read the book? 
I have not read the book. So this show is based on the memoir by Lindy West, also called Shrill, which is one of those things that I've been like meaning to read for a while and I haven't gotten around to reading. We all have a long list. Yeah, oof, that list, I will die before that list is even close to accomplished. But uh, several of our friends recommended the show and I was like, ooh, this looks great. I got to check it out. It, uh, the writing of it is so funny. And it's just about this, like, woman's experience of, I don't even know how to categorize it, but it's, like, one of the more realistic female characters that I've seen, which I feel like is something people talk about a lot, but doesn't actually, like, really exist. Yeah. Like, we're like, oh, this is about the female experience, but then you're like, is it? Because I don't really... For a certain female, maybe. I don't really spend a lot of time riding a motorcycle and shooting my gun sideways, you know? (laughs) (laughs) You don't? I I mean, I wish, but uh, it's very funny, and um, it stars... Oh, my God, what's her name? Andy something from Saturday Night Live. Okay. And it's just, yeah, like, about her life and dating and being plus-sized and sort of people's reactions to that and how the world sucks. And I found it very hilarious and enjoyable. This was definitely something where I was, like, cackling watching it, and Mac was just kind of, like, looking around like, uh, <laughs> well, I'm going like, oh, my God, that's so true. And he's just, like, confused. Yeah. There is this... Which also, I haven't dated in like 10 billion years, but just from talking to other people about their more recent dating experiences, it seemed like... Very spot on. Very spot on. And the the part that... I don't know, maybe don't listen to this because I'm going to like kill this joke a little bit and it was so good. But there was a part where she's staying over this guy's place and she was like, maybe get more than one pillow <laughs> so that I can stay here? And I was just like dying laughing i feel like so many of our listeners probably have experienced that very thing <laughs> that some like low life dude has seriously one fucking pillow and you're supposed to that's this is what i'm talking about with like lift the bar <laughs> off of the physical dirt is that you should not be staying at this guy's place if he has one pillow and it's for him and he doesn't even give it to you. Or <laughs> she's just like, don't fuck him. Or she's like, I don't know, maybe you could get another pillow. <laughs> and he's like, no, baby, I'm your pillow. And I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> you're oh, my punching bag. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. Yes, it's. I don't love everything about it. I feel like the pacing is a little bit off to me. Okay. Like, I don't. I think, but that might be more of a personal preference. It has, like, more, like, indie movie pacing, which I'm not... I don't know. Okay, But I feel like the writing is so good, and she is so good, that it's definitely worth watching. There's this part where she goes to, like, this, like, plus-size, body-positive pool party, and it looks like absolute heaven, and I just want to go there. Oh, my God. Is there... Is that... Is that real? Can that be a thing? Where just like everybody is having this fucking great time and they all look glamorous and I don't I just really want to go to this pool party. Wow, that sounds like someone the make of it. glamour. Someone make it and invite me, please. I promise I'll be a good guest. Okay, so that's on who you need Hulu to watch it. It's an exclusive Hulu show. Okay. I think there's only like six episodes or something. I hope they make more. Nice. That's a great recommendation. Yeah. All right, so I have a podcast recommendation. I don't normally listen to this podcast, not that I have anything against it, but it's 
typically about sports, and we all know oh. how I feel about sports. Well, I do have something against it. But I am strongly recommending the 30 for 30 series on Bikram Yoga. Oh. It's a five-part series. I'm listening. I binge-listened to it while I was watching your dogs last weekend, because we went on lots of walks. So I... Poor... Everybody, shout out. Round of applause to Samantha taking care of my two fucking horrible... They were not horrible. Nasty-ass dogs. <laughs> they spent a lot of time snuggling on the couch with me. We went on lots of walks. I believe in our Instagram... His like story. Samantha's thing. out there walking four goddamn dogs at once. Oh my god! I have newfound respect for anyone who is a dog walker and walks like twenty dogs at once. I don't. It's hard enough to walk two. I don't understand. We couldn't go two steps without someone finding a smell they wanted to sniff and then getting all the leashes tangled. But anyway, I li- I binge listened to this podcast over one weekend. There's five episodes. It's all about Bikram yoga, and it is fascinating. I had no idea. That the founder of Bikram Yoga was a predator and a oh, monster. Yeah. He's a huge creep. So he claims to have essentially invented hot yoga, which is not true. Um, and there's a lot that's revealed in this podcast about his claims, about what he has and has not invented. Um, but they, the reporting is incredible. They, okay, I have the, to listen to this. The host of the, the show, the reporter who does the main reporting in this series, goes to India, interviews the family members of this, like, basically yoga royalty in India and about this guy and about where he claims to have come from and all this stuff. They interview victims and people who went to these teacher trainings um, and spent tens of thousands of dollars to go to these trainings and literally sweat on carpet in front of this man in a speedo who then would take women to his room to assault and it so there's not necessarily graphic descriptions of sexual assault but there are first-hand accounts of it so okay. be prepared for that yeah. if that's something that you might find triggering i just thought it was an incredibly well-reported series i was hooked the entire time sometimes long podcast series like this i was like five episodes that's a lot but i was invested in the entire thing every episode i wish there was more it's very well reported the inner the first-hand interviews and accounts they have with people are incredible like it's just really really well done and i learned a lot that i did not know about this dude and yeah it asks a lot of hard-hitting questions about you know if you're still doing hot yoga like do you you, do you call yourself Bikram yoga, even though you're doing Bikram yoga? Like there's all these kinds of like moral right. like quandaries and people who own these studios and people who were really helped by this yoga because it can really relieve certain ailments. And there's people who really swear by it. Yeah. People who are very dedicated to it. Yeah. There's people that say that I was in chronic pain. I could hardly move. I had these back issues and this yoga healed me. But then I have this issue where the founder is a monster. And how can I reconcile these things? And they ask those questions and they talk about it. It's just, and it's, it's sort of this Me Too era type of story yeah. that's being told that I think is, I mean, obviously it's really important and it's one that I hadn't heard before and I can't recommend it enough. It's so good. Okay, I have to check it out. So yeah, definitely check it out. I've been practicing yoga for years and years. Not that I am good, whatever that means, but 
hot yoga sounds terrible to me. No thanks. I Hard sweat enough hot at yoga. normal yoga. But people who love it, love it. Like, they're very intense about it. There's this part, because this was before hot yoga. I mean, he, what he can be credited for, I think, is sort of making hot yoga mainstream and, you know, introducing this movement to the United States because it was unheard of before. And they talk about things like, how do you keep a room at 120 degrees? Like, your thermostat, like, the thermostats don't allow it. Right? Because you could burn the place down. So having to come up with like these ways like But to- do you even want to be in a room that's 120 degrees much less work out? Uh no. Also <laughs> No, thank one of the you. grossest things is they were like, yeah, when he first started doing this, yoga mats weren't a thing. And he would only teach the, his classes in rooms that had carpet. So you had sometimes three hundred people in a Ew. room that's hundred and twenty degrees for 90 minutes because the classes have to be 90 minutes long how did not everyone get a staph infection well there was spoiler alert and be prepare yourself for some gross descriptions because they won't let you leave the room they said they had guards at these teacher trainings they would put guards at the doors and not let you leave one woman was like that they interviewed said i got my period during one of these classes and you were supposed to wear as little clothing as possible so you can imagine what happened and she literally had to like shove her way past someone at the door who didn't want to let her leave how's that is like such a fire hazard and so many things yeah yeah so also, i have just like walked out of yoga classes that were just too hard for me much less like it was 120 degrees in there well and his yoga was specifically designed to like push you like you were supposed to feel like you were dying and that's how you knew it worked Oh my god, that's like just not for me in any <laughs> so, conceivable way. Yeah, I can't recommend this podcast enough. It was it's really, 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 really good. I'm so intrigued. Good recommendation. I kind I'm, of am sad I'm I already, listened to it so fast. You know when you binge yeah, watch or listen like, to something and you're I like, oh, I needed that delayed I gratification. I should have savored that a little more than uh, I did. You know, you can't always do that though. No, you can't. All right. Let's plug our shit. You should go binge this show. Yeah, that's what you should do. Also, give us a dollar or more on patreon.com slash perhaps it's you and you'll get 15 extra episodes. Yeah, and some of them are about chickens. Our last episode was about chickens. <laughs> People seem to really like it. <laughs> so there you go. This uh, April, our episode is going to be about the Flat Earth documentary on Netflix. And Maybe. I'm really excited to make Liz watch it. Maybe I'll start thinking the Earth is flat. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe it is. Who knows? Who cares? I don't yeah, know. in a way, I don't really give a fuck <laughs> if it's flat or not. <laughs> um, you can also follow oh, us yeah. on social media. If you like social media, kids, I'm perhaps sure you it's all you do. on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join our Facebook group if you want to interact with us. That's the place to do it. Uh, you should send us your paranormal stories. Yeah. Did you see a ghost? Did you see an alien? Did you make out with Robert Stack? Let us know. I mean, that's not a paranormal story, but I said still it want to hear it. it. We want it, that story. It could be a paranormal if it was his ghost. Did you make out with Robert Stack's ghost? Have you seen a ghost in the grocery store looking for polar water? That's perhaps it's you right podcast in. at gmail.com. Or, or there's a form on our website, perhaps it's you.com. I think that's everything. I think it is. So embrace spring and go solve some mysteries, bitches. Bye. Bye.